the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With the power of Tandem HR, you are in the fast lane on Main Street with Get Down to Business with Shalom Klein, the show for business and jobs. Now, the champion of networking, the advocate of jobs, the guru of business, your host, Shalom Klein. We are all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. And business, we talk a lot about business here. You are on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. It's a live show. You could call us at 312 642 and as always, I encourage you to contact our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. They are a fantastic resource on everything HR. Check out their brand new website, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510. So as mentioned, it is indeed a jam-packed lineup of content and information you will not want to miss. I know we have sort of just concluded tax season, but that does not prevent me from bringing on, as our first guest on the program, Howard Stone, a very accomplished litigator with extensive experience in white-collar criminal defense and healthcare and healthcare administrative law. Howard is a former IRS agent and former assistant United States attorney in the Northern District of Illinois, and I'm thrilled to have Howard here as our first guest on Get Down to Business this evening. Howard, welcome to the program. Nice to be with you. Absolutely. So, Howard, you have dedicated your uh, your career uh, in different uh, in different uh, angles. You have, uh, as I mentioned, you you are a former assistant United States attorney, but right now you are focused on helping pr- uh, protect uh, companies, specifically in healthcare. Tell us a little bit more about your about your about your background and and how it's led you to the point of what you're doing right now and why you're so passionate about the work that you're doing right now. Well. I think that what we want to show them, what we want to lead off with today, is the IRS coming out and saying that they're starting a uh, they're starting a program that's going to focus on uh, on the uh, individuals who are filing false returns and uh, and uh, also the failure to file uh, individuals. So government enforcement is getting greater and greater. Uh, my background is I spent uh, I spent uh, nine years with the IRS. I'm a CPA attorney, and uh, I audited large corporations. And uh, one of the very first things we did as an IRS agent when I audited large corporations was to go in and see if their internal controls were correct. At the IRS, you, you focus on the officers of the corporations. And the reason you focus on the officers of the corporations is because if something was going wrong within the corporation, it usually was something that was directed from the top. Well, that led me into the Department of Justice, where I did uh, I prosecuted tax cases, and I also prosecuted uh, official corruption, which is which, which 
politicians who violated the law. But the one thing that I noticed that's, that's led me into the various areas that I've gone to for protecting uh, CEOs and officers was the fact that CEOs and officers, for the most part, and I think you should pay close attention to this, is they're really not represented by the corporation if something goes wrong. By that, what, by that I mean the corporation has the option. They can represent the corporate officer or they can let the corporate officer find their own attorneys. So in effect, they represent their attorneys and the corporation are watching out for themselves. And when there's a problem, the CEO and other officers are on their, could be on their own. Well, the CEOs and the officers should be protecting themselves because many of the things that go wrong in a corporation are done by subordinates. And what the government has done, and it started last November, is they came out with a policy, the Department of Justice came out with a policy, and uh, shortly after the Justice Department came out with that policy, they codified it in the United States Attorney's Manual. And what they basically said is that what we're going to do, if we target, for example, XYZ Corporation, what we're going to do is we're going to also target individuals within that corporation who could have committed the potential crime. So that means all of the individuals now are on their own. They're pretty much going to have to get their own attorneys, and they're not protected. The key to getting around all of this for the CEOs and officers is for them to have what we call a compliance plan in place, an ethics plan in place, and a, a due diligence formulation in order to make sure that individuals around them are held accountable and are doing the things that these CEOs and officers want them to do that are legal. So, Howard, I, I, have, I have to ask, um, we're all following the news and the, and the proposed budget, and we, we've heard... Uh, our current president, President Trump's uh, uh, proposed cuts on many uh, government agencies. Uh, we all know the statistics that uh, that that beefing up the IRS actually uh, brings in money uh, to the government coffers. But with the proposed cuts that the president uh, has has talked about, the IRS will be uh, and and the IRS current IRS commissioner talks regularly about this that they are understaffed and they don't have the enforcement. Uh, teeth that they used to have. How will that affect what you're talking about? Uh, their well, increased uh, diligence at going after uh, companies that are filing false returns if they well, don't have the manpower for it. Shalom, all it is a matter of allocating manpower. They may allocate them to certain segments, certain places. And don't forget the government has the benefit of data analytics. So they know what areas are most profitable. So they take the Individuals that they have, it's like fighting a war. You can fight a war in two cities, or you can fight it in one city, you know, and that's, that's the way they, they will do it. Yes, they are, there's no question, they're understaffed, and, uh, but that doesn't mean that if you're the duck in the sky flying in a group of ducks, and that one bullet goes off, and you're the duck that's hit, you're done for. But let's not focus on the IRS, let's focus on the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Justice, is in the, especially in the health care area, uh, they, they, there's no shortage of money. Uh, 50% of all of the penalties that are collected in the health care area are used to hire new, new law enforcement people. So the budget isn't being cut there, and, and it's almost a self-funding prophecy for the uh, Office of Inspector General and for 
the various Department of Justice attorneys. So that's one area that the government has already said that there's going to be no cuts in and they're going to continue to move forward. It certainly, it certainly sounds like that. And, uh, and, and how can companies proactively uh, protect themselves from, uh, from being the target of, of, of increased uh, investigations and prosecutions? The, the way to do it is to put in a, a health care compliance plan. If it's a health care company or if it's a regular, it's a company that has government regulations, it's put in a compliance plan similar to what we call internal controls and corporations. And what you do is you you put individuals out there, and in our particular case, we do that. We go out in front of the CEO or the officers, and we take a look, we do a risk analysis of potential problems within the company, and then we go in and we close those, do the due diligence on the part of the officers and the CEO, and we close those gaps, and we make sure the individuals that are, doing the things that they're assigned to do are doing them in accordance with the law. We also believe that you put in a, a firm ethics program. And if you have an ethics program that starts at the top, and that's really, it really permeates the entire organization, what you, will find, what you will find is that if you can get 50% compliance in the ethics program, you're going to get almost 100% compliance in the compliance program and in, in terms of uh, uh, abiding by the law. You'll have a law-abiding entity. So it's getting out there, and the officers and CEOs aren't the ones that should carry this off. It should be done by the outside outside experts who should do this, and they will do it in conjunction with the various financial officers and individuals who attend to the quality and other things within the, within the organization. So the CEO, is, what has happened in cases is the CEO, CEO has been blamed for the actions of people beneath them. And what this does is it cuts that off. And under the new program that the government has that started uh, back in November, what the, what the government wants to do is it wants to get the people beneath to target the person at the top. And that just isn't fair. It's not fair. Uh, but, Howard, we are going to have to leave it there. You've, you've, had, uh, you've, you've shared so much helpful information and advice and certainly this conversation will be continued, but we've got just about 30 seconds remaining. And I want to make sure our listeners know where they can find you uh, to continue the discussion. Howard, uh, do you mind sharing uh, any, uh, any information uh, for our listeners? You know, they could, they could reach me. I, I'll get my office phone number is, uh, three, is uh, 847-239-7555. And if uh, any of your listeners have any questions. Uh, they can feel free to call me, and I will uh, converse with them. Absolutely. Howard Stone, a CPA, an attorney, an accomplished litigator, uh, plenty of experience with a lot of expertise, including at the IRS, the Department of Justice, and a great deal of information shared with our listeners. Uh, again, I encourage our listeners, contact Howard Stone. Have that conversation. Uh, you can never be too protected. Coming up, we will be chatting with Tom Broadwater, president of Americans for Work, fascinating discussion coming up right after this quick break come back to get down to business we are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and we are powered by our good friends at tandem hr your solution center you can find them online tandemhr.com or give them a call 630-928-0510 so communicating effectively on the phone is a skill and as with any skill improvement comes with practice and honest critique 
I wanted to bring that up tonight because uh, it's a dreary, dreary night in Chicago. Uh, and uh, I believe the forecast for the next few days is that there will be rain out there. So not all of us will be uh, keeping perhaps all of the meetings that we had scheduled. Uh, there are meetings, uh, all, all many of our listeners know how much time I spend at Starbucks drinking coffee with people, meeting people face-to-face. But sometimes, especially here in Chicago, weather gets in the way. So we have uh, phone conversations. So phone skills, phone meetings, phone communication is really mission critical. What's great about the phone is that you could be your own best coach by recording a few of your calls, listening carefully, and making changes based on what you hear. So in my opinion, here are the top five elements of an excellent phone conversation. When you listen to your recordings, and I could actually give you some tips and tools on that, The first challenge you'll encounter is hearing the sound of your own voice. Very few people enjoy listening to themselves, but it's absolutely necessary if you want to improve. In other words, get over it. Focus instead on the elements of your call, which include, number one, your tone of voice. Do you sound enthused or interested in the reason for your call? If not, how can your prospect or your client get excited about it? I'm not suggesting you put false energy in your voice. Be clear on the value of why you are calling. Focus on it and make sure your tone of voice supports that value. Number two, Interest in your customer. Are you asking questions that allow your prospect or clients to talk about their needs and experience? Are you you responding to what they share with you? Is the conversation more about them than you? If it isn't, you'll have difficulty confirming sales or resolving customer issues. Take the time to craft questions that create a two-way conversation and practice responding to the answers you receive. You want to create engaging conversations that build relationships and create loyalty. And three, think about the words that you're using. Much like our written communication, our phone conversations usually need an edit. Keep your ears open for unnecessary or iffy words such as just, maybe, wondering, sort of, kind of. These are words that definitely diminish the value of your call. And pay attention to any technical or industry-specific words that you're using. Think about, are they being well-received by your prospect or your client? Are they creating confusion? Simple words guarantee clarity. And are you talking too fast? I know I sometimes do that. When you race through a conversation, it's never a good idea. Your customer will stop listening and certainly won't be interested in speaking with you again. While a fast talker can be labeled as nervous, They can also be judged as anxious, panicked, shady, or disrespectful. Rushing pushes all your words together, making them difficult to understand. If you're a fast talker, talker, practice visualizing space between each word. Ask for the help of friends or colleagues or even your manager, if you're an employee in a company, to listen to you and point out when and where you speed up. You won't be able to change this vocal habit overnight. Be patient with yourself and keep working at it. And number five, and my final tip over here is about talking too much. When you listen to your recordings, whose voice do you hear the most? If it's yours, it's time for a change. At the very least, the ratio of the conversation should be 50-50. If you're in sales, you want to create a ratio of 30 to 70, meaning the more your prospect shares with you about their needs and challenges, 
the greater your opportunity to, pre to present your value as a solution. Again, this isn't something you'll be able to change quickly. Be patient. Keep recording your conversations and listen for any improvement. When we talk and listen more, we create an experience of service that supports both sales and service excellence. So keep in mind that many cell phones have the ability to record. There's also some great apps that allow you to record and store audio files. I'm not endorsing any apps or platforms, but a few ideas for your cell phone. There's an app in the uh, in the Google Play Store as well as uh, in the uh, Apple Store um, called Automatic Call Recorder Pro, known as Call You. I would strongly recommend that. And for landlines, um, I've heard of people that have used two platforms over the years that allow me to listen to audio files. One of them is called recordapro.com as well as calln.com. There's likely lots of other options. Just choose the one that works best for you. But remember, don't take it for granted. And remember that when you are on the phone, you want to think about the powerful words and phrases that create clarity, lead to conversation, and build relationships. Things like, I'm sorry. Sometimes, yes, you can say, I'm sorry on the phone. Thank you. Help. Tell me more. I hear you. These are all good things that help you inspire conversation. It's another to truly listen. Everyone wants to be heard when we genuinely say, I hear you, and share a quick summary of what we've understood. We demonstrate a deep respect for our prospects and clients and build a strong foundation for long-lasting relationships. When you say, tell me more, it's my go-to open-ended question. When we want to hear and learn more about a customer or a prospect, specific questions can be tainted by our assumption and expectations or limits of what might be shared. When you say, tell me more, it gives the other person complete freedom to express themselves. It serves and is most often accepted as an invitation to express what's important. When you are selling, you use the word help. You actually, it helps to dissolve defensiveness. It gathers information and creates relationships. Phrases such as, I'm wondering if you can help me, or I'm hoping you can help me, or even I need help quickly engage gatekeepers and executive assistants. They inspire superior customer service when you call a provider, but remember also say thank you when somebody does help you, when somebody does go above and beyond. These are all good words to use in phone conversations. So take advantage of it in your conversations because it will inspire greater conversation. It will help you with your ratios. I mentioned that before. Your goal is to make sure that you are talking less than 50% of a conversation, depending on what type of conversation you're in. So by using these terms, you're actually going to inspire conversations. People will share more with you. People will find ways to continue the discussion and see how they can help you in that conversation, help you understand better, help you potentially close that deal. So think about it. And again, as I mentioned, take advantage of those tools, those apps that I mentioned earlier, because they will help you Listen to your own conversations, making sure that you are the best phone communicator, the best phone communicator that you can possibly be. But remember, there's no replacement for the real in-person conversation, the real networking opportunity. That's really where the action is. But I do understand here in Chicago, the weather is not always great, especially on a night like tonight where it's raining and depressing outside. People are canceling meetings. People are rescheduling meetings and actually making it by phone. So don't think of a phone conversation as just a placeholder, an opportunity to put something on the calendar between between 
in-person meetings, phone conversations can actually be quite productive and can ha- actually help you accomplish some great objectives in your business pursuits. But as we move into the month of May, remember networking is really important. There are some great networking events on the calendar. My good friends at the Small Business Advocacy Council, the SBAC, they are planning their annual gala, a great event. It's taking place in just a few weeks. Check them out online at sbacil.org, sbacil.org. Also check out the website networkchicago.com, networkchicago.com. It's a great community calendar of many events and programs taking place around the Chicagoland area, Uh, great networking events, whether you're interested in education, training, or even just the typical networking events. And of course, on my website at shalomkline.com, where you can also download podcasts from Get Down to Business. It's also a place where I am posting a lot of information about upcoming events and programs. And finally, be sure to check out the website for Crane's Chicago Business, as they frequently host Events like Chicago Small Business Week, uh, which actually just took place, but they have a number of other events that are on the calendar. Check out their website at chicagobusiness.com, chicagobusiness.com. But as always, check out my website, shalomkline.com, where you can download podcasts from the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We have had three years of guests, a lot of great conversations, a lot of great expertise and information on this program, check out my website, shalomkline.com. And hey, if there's an interview that you found particularly interesting, be sure to share it on Facebook and Twitter. Let somebody else know about this show. We're on every Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer. And be sure to give our good friends at Tandem HR a call. They are our solution center on everything regarding the Affordable Care Act. Regarding HR, check out their brand new website, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. We are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Thrilled to be joined by my friend Tom Broadwater, the president of Americans for Work, a nonprofit that advocates on behalf of minority youth and disabled workers. And the big question right now is, will Donald Trump be a champion for black Americans? And I know, Tom, that's a question that you've been grappling with. And you actually just recently wrote an interesting op-ed in the Detroit News. And I'm thrilled to have you on the program to discuss it with us here in Chicago this evening. Tom, welcome to Get Down to Business. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, and my best wishes to you and the, and the, and the people of Illinois. Yes, uh, I, we, I did write an op-ed about uh, you know, uh, African-American and uh, other disenfranchised uh, groups uh, who were having challenges in the uh, labor market and what their opportunities could be with Donald Trump. Uh, generally, uh, the, you know, there, there are, these are, these are traditional constituencies of, say, the uh, Democratic Party or left-leaning parties, and, and they are predisposed to think that uh, he can't do anything or he won't do anything or maybe he has some kind of racial animus and, and hate, but uh, we tend to look at Donald Trump as uh, not a Republican. Uh, he is essentially a maverick entrepreneur who took over one of the political parties. And so if we look at him as a businessman, a guy that will take practical steps and, and uh, uh, be flexible and, and uh, uh, do the right things or things that will produce right results, there are opportunities. There, there are very big opportunities for uh, multiple communities and multiple uh, groups of American citizens. 
It, it's it's really it's a fascinating discussion, and I want to take it piece by piece. And I know that this is something that you work for. Uh, and that you advocate on behalf of, as, as I said earlier, minority youth and disabled workers. Let's take it piece by piece. We know that Trump has promised to make America great again. But he's, he's I, I think it's fair to say that, that the president has, is not a, a, a historian. He, he, he seemingly has never even heard of Frederick Douglass. And but yet there's a chance that because of his promise of make America great again, there's a chance that that through his promise of focusing on charter schools, focusing on education, focusing on some criminal justice uh, efforts that he, as you said, he might actually be a a help and 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 a champion for black Americans. But, Tom, I'm, I'm curious, before the election, you, like many of us here in Chicago, you you followed the uh, the politics. Um, you followed you followed what was going on. What did you think of Donald Trump? Did you think that there was a chance that you'd be that you'd be saying that maybe he could be a, a help? What did you think of the alternative? What did you think of Hillary Clinton? Who do you think would be the better option for Black Americans? Well, I think you know. Let, let's look at both the traditional Democratic and traditional Republican candidates uh, who were Hillary Clinton and uh, Jeb Bush. Um, those, those, they were so mired in nuance and uh, grayness and gray areas and, and, and not able to speak very truthfully or frankly to, to the public that they uh, essentially sabotaged themselves. And so, in our opinion, uh, my opinion in particular, I think that uh, uh, Bernie uh, Sanders uh, won the Democratic primary and Donald Trump won the Republican primary. And they, are, they were completely outsiders to those parties. But they won because... They were focused on the contest, not about nicety or um, <laughs> or or uh, party tradition or anything. They were focused on speaking to the their target audiences about what those audiences wanted to hear, what what they wanted the answers to, and they provided some lucid, candid answers. So um, it's it's a good it's good for the country that neither Hillary or uh, Jeb Bush uh, were able to succeed. It's very unfortunate. Uh, in my opinion, the Democratic Party did not allow Bernie to take the mantle and run against uh, Trump. That would have been a very interesting contest. And it's it, obviously following Democratic politics right now. It's interesting to see the as the party is supposedly being uh, transformed. I know Tom Perez has been uh, traveling around the country, and I know they're having discussions regarding super delegates and uh, the changes that will be made. We'll see where that plays out. But you have an interesting take, interesting perspective on, again, the real uh, the real nominee of each of the parties. So Donald Trump was the Republican nominee. He certainly has a very populist message. And he has said uh, here in Chicago, I know we've been uh, attuned to, to his his messages of what is happening in Chicago. And occasionally he uses choice uh, four-letter words about what's going on in Chicago. But the reality is, is that he has said that he's going to do a lot for African-Americans. And the question is, can he? Yeah, I think he, I, I think he can. And let me, uh, let, let me help you, or let me uh, articulate why. Um, the biggest challenge is facing the African-American community. Let's focus on that one group, though our organization advocates for a, uh, a number of people. But the biggest challenge is facing the African-American community nationally are a uh, inferior education, um, owing to, uh, unfortunately, this, this whole slavery thing that happened uh, now 200 years ago, um, and the or two and three hundred years ago. But it, it, it's still with us, and it has continued to inhibit and continued to influence the behaviors and attitudes of 
uh, uh, people who come into contact with that Number two, uh, I would say that the criminal justice system uh, is a big challenge to um, uh, African Americans getting ahead in society. Uh, by 23, nearly 50% of African Americans have a misdemeanor or felony uh, citation or conviction on their records, which is these days internet and electronic. Tom, I'm going to have to squeeze in a quick break over here. Um, yep. We'll have uh, Tom Broadwater, again, the president of uh, of Americans for Work, coming back in with us in just a moment. We'll be right back and get down to business. We are back chatting with Tom Broadwater, president of Americans for Work. Uh, Tom, we were just talking uh, a little bit about uh, the changes in education that, uh, starting with the Trump administration, being led by his uh, Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, um, changes in the education structure that will benefit some minority communities. We're also talking about criminal justice. So, Tom, you were just yeah. saying that that obviously there are issues that are out there, and you believe well, that there, Donald there, Trump there, can help. Well, yeah, there, uh, there's a possibility. Let's see, let's see how willing he is. But there is a... Uh... The systemic challenges to African-American communities have been uh, education, the system. It does not operate the same as it does for Anglo communities, uh, the criminal justice system. Uh, disproportionately identifies, interdicts, and, uh, uh, and, and prosecutes and, and uh, sentences blacks to uh, you know, disproportionate terms in jail. Uh, job discrimination is real. It continues to happen. In fact, these days, employers are discriminating against black Americans in favor of illegal aliens and uh, also legal aliens from India and elsewhere. Uh, and then finally, we have this whole industrial evolution where really the skill set for any American has gone uh, way up the chain. And so <laughs> at the bottom of this uh, food chain is the African-American community. So let's look at uh, how Trump can help. Trump on the education side uh, is not in bed with, he does not have a regard for labor unions in the schools. That is a big solution. Uh, he, uh, that's a big uh, opportunity. Uh, if he would follow through on that and, and either abolish or remove unions from uh, public education, that could be very helpful. We have a lot of very good people working in the education system in this country, teachers that uh, deserve the mantle, they deserve the pay, but the people they are stuck with because of these uh, public service employee unions is, is, is a disgrace. And so those have to go away. And if it means going to charter schools, which uh, Betsy DeVos is uh, supporting, well, maybe that's the solution. Now, charter schools can be owned by the municipality or the county, or they can be private. They don't have, but they're not under the control of a union. And uh, I think that's, that's a great solution. Criminal justice. Trump has been very strong on uh, uh, pro-police and, and uh, pro-law enforcement and everything else. But he has omitted or overlooked, and he's not articulated how important it is to get into those organizations and deal with a knucklehead like Mark Furman in the O.J. Simpson case and others who are out there, and they're in every single police department. We have a lot of proud men and women wearing the blue in this country who are disgraced by that behavior, but they have to live with it because, again, a lot of police departments are stuck in labor unions with clowns, people that don't deserve to be there. And then, finally, I would say, uh, uh, and and this is uh, a critical issue that's before us right now, Trump has said that uh, his mantra is Americans should hire American and buy American. And that means that we hire American college graduates who have a technology degree 
in Silicon Valley versus importing uh, less expensive um, uh, foreigners under the H-1B visa process. It's a flawed. He's also said uh, we should be employing African-Americans and others who have blue-collar skills uh, as opposed to exploiting those jobs with low, uh, low-paid or lesser-paid um, illegal aliens from Central and, and uh, South America and Mexico. Tom, I think to appreciate what you're saying, I, I, I actually just, I'm thinking back to, to a book I just read, The President's Club, yep. a book by Nancy Gibbs, uh, about yep. <laughs> a really great, great read for all of our listeners, but it, it talked a little bit about Bill Clinton's reaction when, when Barack Obama was elected president, and everybody used to yep. talk about Bill Clinton being the first black president, and then suddenly Barack Obama's elected, and he is the first black president. It sounds like Barack Obama, because he was so, uh, it, there was so much attention on him as what, how will he uh, deliver all of the change for the African-American community. And I realize that your organization is advocating for many minorities, but he was. It, there were so many expectations on him. It sounds like Donald Trump's promise of make America great again. I don't, I don't believe that, that he's aiming to deliver specifically for one group or for one community. No, but, no, 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 no. But perhaps not. simply because of that message of make America great again, perhaps it sounds yeah. like you're saying, yeah. Tom, that there will yeah. be ripple effects that might actually benefit the communities that you're advocating for. Yeah, I don't want to diminish it by using a word like ripple or trickle down, uh, because what happens is that, uh, if you remember the Eleanor Roosevelt quote, that um, uh, big minds discuss ideas, uh, uh, medium minds or middle minds, uh, middle-minded people discuss things, and um, small-minded people discuss people. <laughs> small-minded, small minds discuss people. And so what's, what, what our news media, and uh, I don't know whether the, the best news media, New, the New York Times, CNN, da, 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 it really doesn't matter anymore. They have all devolved to talking about people and form and uh, versus talking about the ideas. What is it that we're trying to get done? Uh, for instance, uh, in Washington, where I sit today, the Democratic Party um, is, is so partisan that they will take a person and, and uh, label them a racist or using uh, an, an inappropriate word at some point. Uh, kill that person's career. Uh, the Republican Party will use the same tactic. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that they're not able to get beyond this sort of uh, rumor-mongering and, and uh, people defamation sure. and get right down to settling uh, Well, so, Tom, well, go- yeah. you, you, fascinating insight, fascinating, fascinating discussion, uh, again, on, yeah. on whether uh, Trump can be a champion for uh, for well, for many uh, minority communities, but specifically, I think we 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 focus the discussion on Black Americans. Uh, yeah. Tom, we are out of time. Um, we'll certainly have you back in the program to continue the discussion. But how can our listeners learn more about the work that you're doing at Americans for Work? Please, please, please. If you if you have any interest in uh, Americans First, uh, hiring American, buying American, and believe me, we are a nonpartisan organization. We're not affiliated in any way with uh, left-leaning or right-leaning things. We call it as we see it for our people. Yep. Uh, and please go on our website, Americans for Work, the Americans4Work.org. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for your time tonight. And now it's time for your business tip of the week, which can be your daily on the morning show at 7.30 a.m. right here on AM 560. The answer, we've got some tips for you from our friends at Tandem HR Exceptional Workplaces exceptional people you can give them a call 630 
or check out their brand new beautiful website at tandemhr.com. Every manager has bumps in the road while racking up their managerial experience. You know your team has come up short on a project. You're over budget or perhaps you're understaffed and your team is burning out while struggling to keep up. Have you worked through those situations, including your behavior, attitude, and actions? It can be as telling as the outcome. Are you a mediocre manager or an awe-inspiring one? A mediocre manager will lead a team to accomplish goals, while a great manager empowers, educates, and appreciates each team member's skills and unique characteristics along the way. So here are seven signs that you're on the path to becoming an exceptional, motivating manager. Sign number one, you're excellent at communication. The big C, your your employees are in the know. When a manager is able to effectively communicate to the team about the intended direction of the organization and the progress it's making on these goals, including the team's contribution to them, employees feel like an important part of the team. Furthermore, when you communicate effectively on everything from the organization's future to team members' individuals' performance, then you're not surprising anyone with future decisions. Sign number two, you regularly share the information that goes into making key management decisions. That goes hand-in-hand with number one. This is a key part of communicating important information to your team. It may not be as feasible or even prudent to share every little detail about management decision-making. The more employees know about how decisions are made, however, the more they are engaged ask thought-provoking questions, and begin to truly understand the mission of your company. Number three, you know your team. You know them both as individuals as well as how they work together. You spend a good deal of time watching each person's reactions, listening, and taking mental notes about what makes each individual excited and what they struggle with. Number four, you're patient. While you guide your team, you allow them to learn from their mistakes and work out problems on their own. You recognize that not everyone learns or works at the same pace or in the same way. And number five, you appreciate and capitalize an individual team member's strength. You take advantage of what is unique about each employee to build a stronger sense of team. That's right. You are focused on the team. And as you do that, it actually creates interdependency employees begin to appreciate one another's talents and learn that their coworkers can fill in on what they are lacking. No employee, not even your best A player, is perfectly well-rounded. You continue to tweak roles to capitalize on the uniqueness of each person. You need to make sure, again, that you're being patient along the way, and you need to be flexible and open-minded. You understand that your way is not the only way, and you're willing to hear out alternative solutions made by other team members whether they are higher or lower on the food chain than you. And sign number seven, your final tip for management and leadership is you exercise humility and honesty. Your employees see you as a human being that has made mistakes, learns from those errors and prospers from the experiences because you talk about them and you share what you've learned, not just the ones you've made in the past, but the ones that you continue to learn from today. Your employees know that you do not feel more important than them, that you value each position in the organization as it contributes to the success of the whole. They value your honest feedback because they know you are interested in the growth and are excited for them to learn from any individual or team success. Do your managers know these signs, or do they need assistance moving from mediocre to great? Tandem HR is a professional employer organization. We call it a PEO in the Chicago area that assists hundreds of small and mid-sized businesses with creating exceptional workplaces, including leadership development. They also help their clients save time and money while growing their business 
by taking on the administrative tasks associated with human resources, benefits, payroll, tax administration, regulatory compliance, and risk management, all of the things you do not want to do and you should not be doing in-house. For more information on Tandem HR, again, check out their website, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510. Hope you enjoyed today's program, including our fantastic guest, Tom Broadwater of Americans for Work, and Howard Stone, a fantastic attorney and former IRS agent. We'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 